0: In that moment when Jesus declared that Scripture is fulfilled, there's a seismic shift that takes place upon planet Earth, because in that moment, Jesus is now declaring who He is. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the Son of God. We've talked about who Jesus really is, and you have a choice to make this morning. Jesus is either the Son of God, or He is the greatest counterfeit that has ever existed. A lot of times people will say, well, Pastor, I I believe Jesus was a good man, and I believe He was a great teacher, and I believe He had good moral conduct and a lot of things great about Him, but I don't believe that He is the Son of God. And yet I want to say to you this morning is you can't have it both ways. Either He is the anointed Son of God or he was a raving lunatic, because time and again he declared that's who he was. And in this moment, at this occasion, he shows up in the temple, and he takes the Word of God out of the book of Isaiah, and he reads, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach. I want to talk to you today about the anointed one. That word anointing is, is kind of an interesting word. We're, we're going to be going in just a moment to the book of Luke, the fourth chapter. So if you want to turn there, uh, please go ahead and do that. But the word anointing is, is kind of a religious theological word. It's not something that we hear that often. But, but the word anointing is something that we're kind of familiar with. In fact, let me, let me do it this way. How many of you grew up in a home uh, where your parents thought that Vicks vapor rub could cure anything? Right? You had measles, they put Vicks Vapor Rub on you. If you had a cold, they put Vicks Vapor Rub on you. If you I think I think some parents thought if you had cancer, they just rub a little vapor and, and, and you were healed. You know, it was, in, it was that powerful of stuff. Well, that's kind of what the word anointing means. Uh, the, the word of anointing means to pour, to smear all over, or to rub into. Now, please understand, I, I'm not saying that the anointing in the Bible is the same as Vicks Vapor Rub at your house. All right? Uh, But but what I I want you to understand is that when you look in Scripture, what you find, especially in the Old Testament, you you find that God institutes this thing called anointing. And when He begins the whole process with the children of Israel and appointing priests... The Word of God says that they anoint the first priest, Aaron, and the the anointing oil flows from the top of his head all the way down uh, to the the skirt of his robe. It just soaks him. Uh, The Word of God says that when they got ready to to bring all the implements into the temple, uh, that they anointed each one of them. They poured oil on them. Uh, And even the kings, when they got time to be a king, when when King Saul was going to be anointed or King David or whoever, uh, they would literally take uh, the oil and they would pour it over him. People say, well, what, what is that about? Well, let me, let me try to explain it this way. What the anointing is about in, in those pictures that we see in the Old Testament is that something physical was happening to reflect something spiritual that had already happened. It was an outward sign of what God was already doing. In fact, when you read the story of David being anointed to be king, uh, that when Samuel, the prophet of the whole nation, Samuel shows up to anoint David as king, and the Bible says that when Samuel anointed David, or when he poured that oil over him, that the Holy Spirit came on David and rested on him the rest of his life. That, That something happened. In the New Testament, the Word of God tells us. In fact, uh, the, the chapter or two before where we're going to be this morning, Luke chapter 4, is, is a wonderful story of how that Jesus goes to John the Baptist. Uh, now, I, how many of you were Baptist? Come on, are, are Baptist? You can still be Baptist and go to heaven. I believe that. Right? John was a Baptist, but let me help you a little bit. He wasn't the first Baptist. The word there just means he was a baptizer, okay? And, and, and John was baptizing. And the Bible says that Jesus showed up, and and when John sees Jesus, he starts freaking out. He says, here's the one who's coming, who's mightier than me, whose shoelaces I can't even untie. I baptize you truly with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He starts prophesying. And in that moment, Jesus says, baptize me. John says, oh, no, no, no. I need you to baptize me. And Jesus said, no, baptize me so that I can fulfill all Scripture and all Righteousness. And in that moment, when Jesus is placed under the water and he comes back up out of the water, there's a simultaneous happening that takes place. In that moment, uh, some people said it thundered, other people said they heard a voice, but the scripture says God spoke out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In that same instance, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove on Jesus. Now, we have spent a lot of time uh, trying to show the Holy Spirit as a dove, and we picture Him as a dove. I really don't think that the Holy Spirit looks like a dove. I think that what the wording is there is to show us how the Holy Spirit came to Jesus. It came as a dove landing. If you've ever watched the it it just came gently upon Jesus in that moment. And in that moment, in fact, if you read the book of Acts, I think it's the 15th chapter, uh, it it says that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, and that he went forth in power and did great acts and signs and wonders. So there there is this whole thing that, that the anointing comes on Jesus at his baptism. Now, I understand that he was already God. I got that, that he was born of a virgin. I know all that, but in this moment, something happens. How many of you uh, have, have ever heard Jesus referred to as Jesus Christ? Some of you used to use that term a whole lot looser than you do now, I hope. Uh, but, but Christ, you know, a lot of people kind of feel like Christ was Jesus' last name. You know, there was Joseph Christ and Mary Christ and Jesus Christ. But there wasn't. That's not his last name. The, the word Christ genuinely, here's what it means. If you look it up, the word Christ means the anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one. And so Jesus stands in that temple that day, in that synagogue that day, and he declares, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. And he, and he goes into that whole thing. Now, what, what you have to understand is this. Is that anointing, and, and I want you to catch this because there's something very powerful about this. Again, it's, it's more of a religious word. We don't hear it uh, out in public in everyday conversation. But anointing, here's what it is. It's God on flesh. Doing those things that flesh cannot do. Does that make sense? The anointing is God's presence by the Holy Spirit. That's what the anointing is. When we talk about the anointing, when Jesus is referring to the anointing here, He is referring to the Holy Spirit. There's a a passage of Scripture in the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter and the 13th verse, that everybody that's ever been to church quotes but I want to mess with it for a minute, all right? And then we'll dig into the passage for today. Here, here's what the Scripture says, and we've all quoted it. I can do all things through Christ, who, which strengthens me, right? And we just quote that, I can do all things through Jesus, who strengthens me. Can, can, I, can I work with that for a minute? And, and I'm not trying to add to or take away from the Scripture. I'm trying to show you what the Scripture really says there. If the word Christ means anointed or anointing, can I read it this way to you? I can do all things through the anointing, which strengthens me. Think about that for a minute. The anointing that comes upon my life, when I give my life to Jesus Christ and I enter into that relationship, I can do all things through the anointing, which strengthens me. All of a sudden, it it begins to look a little different. Then we understand, and I'll throw this in, and then I'll get into the text for today. Then we can understand how Peter and John, on their way to prayer, seeing a certain lame man at the gate, beautiful, who said, Give me alms. He's been lame all his life. And Peter and John said, Silver and gold we don't have, but what we have, the anointing we have, we give you in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And the Bible says, At that moment. His ankle bones, his legs were strengthened. He gets up and starts praising God. Why? Because they understood, I can do all things through the anointing, which strengthens me. Now, Jesus is talking. Would you you look in the fourth chapter in the 18th verse? Because I kind of want to break this down for a minute. I want to show you what the anointing did in Jesus' life and what he came to do in our life. And then how that we live in this same anointing. Look in the 18th verse. The the whole setting is 16 through 21. You can read it later. But but verse 18 says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, good news, how many of you have ever heard the term gospel? The gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what, gospel means good news. So the good, Jesus said, I have come to proclaim good news. I have come to proclaim the gospel. Now let me kind of uh, dare to go somewhere I shouldn't probably the gospel is not just the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus the gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ came to set us free came to give us liberty came to release us from the bondages of the past and anything else that's happened in our life and so when he comes there let me ask you a question have you ever been poor anybody ever been poor I mean like I can't remember in college when Sherry and I, I was in college and she was working. I mean, we were poor. I I didn't, in fact, I'm glad I didn't know how poor I was, right? I mean, I literally would pull up to the gas station with with a roll of pennies, 50 cents worth of gas. Now, I understand gas was cheaper just so I could get back and forth to class on a day. Now, I want to tell you, that's poor. I ate so many green beans that I just, you know, have an aversion even to this day for green beans, all right? Uh, the the, the, the poor, poor is not fun. Wow, I should have got more amens than that, right? J- Jesus shows up and he says, I am come. the Spirit of the Lord has come me because he has given me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Now, I think good news to the poor is you don't have to stay poor. Amen. I I believe, especially in our society, I believe that God gives us the ability to move forward in our life. Now, if you're waiting for somebody to hand it to you, if you're waiting to hit the lottery, if you're waiting for all that, you're going to be waiting a long time. All right? What you need to be doing is giving yourself. Here's what I found about Jesus. Jesus was always motivating people. Jesus was always pushing people. Jesus was always trying to get people out of their place of lethargy into a place of productivity. And so Jesus shows up and he says, I want you to understand that I have shown up and I am going to preach the gospel to the poor. Those who don't have anything, hey, guess what? You can be blessed of God. You can do what God wants you to. But it's not just about money. The Bible talks about the poor in spirit. In other words, there there are those moments of our life where we are not spiritually where we need to be. And and Jesus said, I have shown up so that I can proclaim good news to those who spiritually are poor in their life. Then he goes on, let's let's look in this verse. He says, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Now, I want to tell you something sin brings captivity. Am I the only one that knows that? Sin brings captivity. But what I have found is the scripture says, Whom the sun sets free is what? Free indeed, right? Whom the sun sets free is free. Indeed. So sin puts me into this captivity. Sin leads me astray. Sin does all of these things in my life, but Jesus Christ came, and the Word of God says that He came to set the prisoner free. Now, again, I know it's talking about uh, natural things, but in this moment, He's in a synagogue. He's not at a prison, and so when He's talking about it, what He's talking about is how that sin captivates us. Now, I love how holy we can look on Sunday morning. It's like, I don't know what he's talking about. So for a moment, let me talk to your neighbor. (laughs) Because you don't have this issue, but they do, and they need to hear this. Okay? So bear with me for a minute. It's not for you. It's for the person beside you. You ready? In, in the process of sin, here's, here's what I found. Uh, I, I just finished a book on the power of habit. It's a business book. It's actually not written uh, in the sense of uh, for habitual things, although it deals with that. It's talking about the power of habit. And, and what you find is that, that in your brain, when you do something habitually, your brain forms pathways. And, and you don't even think about it. In fact, the, the research shows us that when you got up this morning, you pretty well did everything the same way you do every day. You put on your left sock first. You brush your teeth at a certain time. You, everything is, is done in a bit. You don't even think about it because the pathways are already formed. Well, I want to tell you, when the Bible says we were born in sin, we were shaped in iniquity. As we grow up, there are pathways that are formed in our lives that have given us the habit of sin. And yet, Jesus said, I am come to break the captive out, to bring freedom to those who are in captivity. Look in the latter part of verse 18. And he says, and recovery of sight for the blind. Now, here's what I want to tell you. There's spiritual blindness. In fact, here's what the Bible says. The Word of God says that the God of this world has blinded their eyes. Now, I want to help you, and I'll be quick here. According to Scripture, God Almighty is not the God of this world right now. Satan is the God of this world. Study it in Scripture. Adam and Eve were given this world, and they chose to give it to Satan. Now, as a Christian, I have authority over the works of Satan, but Satan is still the God of this world. And so the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded their eyes that they can't see the glorious truth of who Jesus is. How many of you know before you got saved, you were blind to how great Jesus really was? In fact that's why people can argue with you about Jesus but once they come to that revelation of understanding who he is it's like the blinders come off and they then begin to understand the greatness of God so there's spiritual blindness but I believe there's also physical blindness that Jesus is talking about I believe Jesus is a healer the book of Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and watch this by his stripes new international version says by his wounds we are healed I believe that's not only talking about spiritual healing, I believe that God is still the same yesterday, today and forever, that He still can heal bodies that are racked with pain and are suffering with disease. Doesn't stop there. Let's read the latter part of verse 18 and verse 19. This is all about Jesus is saying, "I am anointed, and here's what I'm anointed to do." And then he goes on to say, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor is an interesting word that it's talking about the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years, according to Scripture, the, the Israelites were supposed to restore everything back to everyone. In other words, if, if you had sold me property because you were broke and I bought that, on the 50th year that property reverted back to you. Uh, in Scripture, there was, uh, there was slavery because there wasn't the, the process at times uh, to be able to pay debts. And so they would take you into slavery. At the 50th year, you had to set all your slaves free. You couldn't hold on to them. So there, there's, this is what Jesus is talking about. And he says, I, I have come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But he, what he is saying is it's not going to be just once every 50 years. He is saying that from every day of your life is going to be the year of freedom. See, here's here's the deal. Sin hurts and holds us down, but freedom comes through Jesus Christ, freedom in every area of our life. In fact, the word salvation is the word sozo in the Greek, and it doesn't just talk about one day I'm going to heaven. See, a lot of us think that salvation is about a retirement plan, right? Need to get saved so you can go to heaven. Well, that's great. You're going one day, but that's retirement. That, that's one day in the sweet by and by. God is not concerned just about retirement. God is concerned about right now. Jesus said, the thief comes, but for to kill, steal, and destroy. But I am come that you would have life right now, right here, and it more abundantly. So that's, that's what we're talking about. So when we look at this whole aspect of anointing and the favorable year of the Lord... How do you and I come to that place that we recover everything that's been stolen from us? Again, remember, John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I am come that you can have a jubilee year, that I can proclaim to you the year of the Lord's favor. How do I get there? How do I recover what is mine through the anointing that Jesus Christ has given? Let's let's dig down into it. The, The first thing that I've got to get freedom from is I've got to get freedom from self. How many of you know the most problem that you have with anybody is you, right? I mean, it's it's yeah, I got trouble and issues with other people, but the biggest trouble is right here. So I've got to get freedom from self, from, from my desires, from my fear, from my addictions, from all those things that are binding me up, all those things that are controlling my life, all those phobias and all those fears. You know, some of you were raised in homes that, that you, you know, you were, you were, so much fear was put into you that, that you're afraid to go outside, afraid that, you know, the sun's going to burn you and you, you, you're afraid to stay inside, afraid the roof's going to fall on you, afraid to get in your car that it's going to blow up, afraid, I mean, you, you right, it's like, Man, it's like Chicken Little. The sky is falling all the time. And and you live in that place of fear. Why? Because it was put into you, this whole aspect of self. But Jesus came to bring salvation. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, I can be delivered from self. How do I do that? I do that by accepting God as my Lord and Savior. When when I come to that point and I say, Lord, today, the Bible says, if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, I'll be saved. So in that moment, self is no longer in control. I am now, the Bible says, a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away. And guess what? All things have become new. That's what happens in that moment when I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But it doesn't stop there. Not only do I need freedom from self, secondly, I need freedom from Satan. If He is the God of this world, that means He has legal authority over my life. Because He's the God of this world and I'm in this world. Right? So so the Word of God, again, lets us know. David said, I was born in sin, I was shaping in iniquity. If I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity, and Satan is the ruler of this world, then that means he has a legal right to me. You say, well, pastor, you just said when I got saved, myself will say it is. But Satan is a legalist. Now, what do I mean by that? Satan is looking for any legal thing he can to hold over you so that he can still tell you what to do, right? And, And so what you have to do is you have to understand that the Word of God talks about how that we transfer ownership. How that I am no longer under the bondage of Satan, but now I come into relationship with Jesus Christ, and now I have His authority, and I have the right to move forward. He is my owner. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but if I've got Jesus and Satan I know back in my day, you know, there there was a a song that said, I'm on the highway to hell, and it was all party and stuff, but I want to tell you, I don't want to be on the highway to hell. Amen? Hell's not going to be a party. For anybody that's told you that, they lied to you. (laughs) All right? So you got Satan, and you got Jesus. Who do you want to choose? No, you know what I want to choose? I want to choose Jesus. But I've got to do that in the way that breaks the hold of the enemy And gives me the authority of Jesus Christ. How do I do that? Well, the Word of God tells us that in the book of John that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And he said, "Uh, how do I get saved? Jesus said, you're a ruler. You're a a man of great intelligence. How do you not know this? And Jesus looked at him and said, except a man be born again, he can not enter the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus freaked. He said, well, what do I do? i got to go back and be born in my, in my mother's womb again? And Jesus said, no, no, no. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. He said, except you are born of water and the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Now watch this. There, there's a twofold thing. Being born of water is the aspect Of natural birth, when we come into this world, I mean, how many times have you been around somebody, and I don't, again, don't want to go too far, and they go, whoops, my water broke. Something's getting ready to happen. When the water broke, something's happening. So that's natural birth. That which is born of the Spirit is the Spirit. Now, in the natural, and I want to break this down because I want you to see it. Some of you need to hear this about baptism this morning. In the natural The unseen happens that produces life. And I want to be, I'll I'll keep this PG. When the egg and the sperm come together, life happens. Right? Every biology class will tell you that. Life happens. That's why as a Christian, I believe that abortion is wrong because I believe at the moment of conception, life happens. All right? So in the spirit realm, when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, life happens. You're no longer who you were. You're now a new creation. But how many of you know that until that water breaks, until there is something that happens in the scene, you don't know what happened in the unseen. Don't mess it what has happened in the invisible, what has taken place there, now when we see see the baby coming forth, we know in that moment, in fact, watch this, it's in that moment that the baby gets legal authority to use the name of the family. What are you saying, Pastor? When you are baptized in the name of the Lord, it is in that moment that you are now given the authority to use the family name it's also one of the greatest times of celebration that there ever ought to be in the life of a church because watch this it's like when that baby finally gets here and and that that mother has brought forth that baby everybody gets excited because now the baby is here and we can all see it and we celebrate that's what baptism is it's in that moment That now you are given the name, and the ownership of the enemy is wiped out, and now you have a new owner, and his name is Jesus. And now you have authority in his name. (laughs) Freedom from self, freedom from Satan, lastly, freedom from sin. A lot of you thought I would have put that one first, but I really don't. I put it at the end. Here's why. How many of you know that even though you are a believer, even though you've been baptized in water, that you still experience a sin nature at times that's still working in your life? Amen? Jesus said, I have come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The restoration of everything is what He was saying. So the anointing, when you begin to study the word the anointing, what you find is is that the anointing is the Holy Spirit. In the Word of God, what you see is, is that Jesus, in the book of John, about the 20th chapter, says to His disciples, the Bible says, that they're gathered together in a room, and the Word of God says that He breathes on them and says, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, the, the Word of God says that he, he released something in the atmosphere. The word breath there, and I don't want to belabor this, but the word breath there is the word pneuma. It is the same word that is used for the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. Now, let me explain something to you. When you get breath is when you then have the ability to communicate. How many of you know that even before a baby can talk, they can tell you what's wrong? No, come on. You evidently have not raised babies. You know when it's a mad cry. You know when it's a sad cry. You know when it's, I need my diaper change cry. I mean, you, you know it's, I'm a hungry. You, you can tell. And then, you know, about uh, 15 months, whatever, they start putting words together. And about two years, they're, they're communicating. But why? Because now they have breath. The Word of God lets us know that the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. In fact, the book of Acts uh, talks about that on the day of Pentecost, suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled the house that they were sitting in. In that moment, the breath of God entered the house where the people of God were, and then it went into them, and the Word of God says, There appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they received the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And people gathered from all around and said, What is this? I hear them speaking in my own language. Why? Because now they have received breath. Jesus said, go, Acts 1 and 8, go and wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. That word power there is the word dunamis. The Holy Spirit brings dunamis. Again, remember, Acts 15, where it says that that God took Jesus and placed the Holy Spirit upon him and that he went forth in the power and the demonstration of the Spirit. You and I, when we enter into that place of receiving the Holy Spirit, now we have the power to lean upon the Spirit of God. Now, let me explain this to you. I, I said this last week. I got a little bit ahead, but let me remind you. How many of you know that last week I talked about having an older brother? Remember that, that maybe you're on the playground and somebody's beating you up, but you got an older brother and you just say, wait, right? Until my brother gets here because when he does, he's going to take care of you. Well, I want to tell you, your older brother has come. He has given his life. He has ascended upon high and he has said, it's not good that I stay with you. But I need to go away, so if I go away, I can send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to you. And the Word of God says when the Holy Spirit comes, He will guide you into all truth. The power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit that the Word of God talks about, is evidence by speaking in tongues. Now, I know everybody's thinking, oh, Pastor." I was good until then. I got gotcha. you. It's that, it's that seismic shift that took place when Jesus says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And, and religious walls went up and said, no, 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 we can't do that. So I understand. Here's what I would say to you. If there is a prayer language that gives me the ability to communicate with God, in a way that I have never communicated with God before, and it gives me power in a way that I've never had before, why would I not want everything that God said is mine? I want to encourage you this morning that wherever you are in this journey of life, but there are some of you today who are listening to me that you need to come to that place of salvation. You need that moment of conception that takes place in your life and that Jesus Christ, the anointing that He has, comes alive in you and you get saved. There are others of you today who need to take that step of water baptism. You need to go ahead and do it. You've talked about it. You've thought about it. Uh, you, you've said one of these days. But you need to go ahead and take that next step so that you now have the authority and the family can celebrate what has happened inside of you. There are others of us today who need to say, you know what, I want to be able to communicate at a level I've never communicated with. Here's what the Apostle Paul said about the Holy Spirit. He said, when you pray in the Spirit, your understanding is not edified, but your Spirit is built up. There is something that happens at a level that you don't even understand, When you allow the Holy Spirit of God to come into your life and to give you this this pneuma, this breath of the Holy Spirit so that now you can communicate at a level. And it also gives you the power. The Bible says that there are moments, and I close, that there are moments when you don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit itself makes intercession through you with groanings that cannot be uttered that's where the holy spirit shows up and defeats the power of sin over your life and so here's what i want to say to you wherever you are god has already sent the anointed one to bring us into the year of the fullness of of everything that God has and so I want to take just a moment here and I want us to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us individually wherever you are in this journey wherever you are on this path I want to encourage you today and, and you say well pastor I've repented I've been baptized I've received the Holy Spirit I've got all that my tickets punched for heaven no no, no that's not what that's about I'd be like looking at that 18-month-old who started speaking and say, well, your life's over. No, your life's just beginning. Amen? All these things I've talked about today is just the beginning of the process that God has and the glorious things that He wants to do in your life. But you have to be receptive. Here's what I would challenge you, and then we're going to just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. I would challenge you to say, God, If there's anything in my life that I have not fulfilled according to your word, would you just speak that to me and let me know what I'm to do?